7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Good morning, America. It is 3 p.m. in London in the UK, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 1977. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Happy Saturday, uh, the weekend. The weekend is, for us, halfway through. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a Saturday night. Thanks for hanging out with me once again uh, on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch.tv, and, of course, the good folks at Rumble.com. We are live on Rumble where you can say just about anything you like. So feel free to make a comment if you like or put whatever you want in the show notes in the uh, comment section. But be sure and subscribe over there. It's free. You can sign up for a free account. And uh, then just give us a subscribe or a follow on our uh, on our page. Serena Lee. Hello there. <laughs> Thank you, Serena. Great to see you. Uh, good to have you back among the uh, living. And uh, I assume out of jail. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it you know Facebook just is not the same without your posts. I miss them when you're in jail, so I'm uh, I'm glad you're back. Uh, yes, we have porn money tonight. Uh, not what you think. I put that up there just because I get more clicks when porn is in the title, so it's pure clickbait. But it is a story about porn money, a rather weird one, but nevertheless, it's porn money. Uh, we. <laughs> We've got uh, that. We've got uh, people renting very expensive cars to go back to their hometowns. And uh, some UFO release, new releases from the Pentagon. Very weird stuff. And I have been waiting for this in with bated breath, as they say. Tonight we begin my favorite book of all time. It was not in the public domain, so we couldn't do a public performance of it. All the while, this is like almost 200 shows we've done. And we read classic books at the end of our stream, the last 20 minutes, half an hour. We've been doing that almost from the beginning. We've done a ton of them, The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Little Prince, you name it. We've done all the classics. And uh, we're going to be doing Winnie the Pooh starting tonight, first chapter, introduction and first chapter. I cannot wait. My favorite book, Winnie the Pooh, and we'll be starting that tonight. All right, and then we'll go through, as we always do, we'll read a chapter or so per night all the way through the book until we get to the end, and then maybe we'll read it again because I love it that much. <laughs> no, no, we'll move on to, uh, on to something else. All right, hello to our podcast listeners also. We, uh, we love you guys. We are up over 900, nine-something, I forget. We're on this quest. It's a small little ask. If you are watching on the video and not listening on the podcast, that means you haven't gone to our podcast yet and subscribed or followed. Uh, just go to whatever podcast platform you use, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Radio Public, Geo7, uh, Podbean. We're on all of those platforms. And all you have to do is put in the search bar, I'm not wearing pants. Look for that logo. Or you can even put in probably Jay Sheldon and that logo will pop up. And then just hit follow or subscribe. Add it to your list. 
And uh, we really appreciate it. We're, we're on a quest here to get to 1,000 average downloads per week, and we're almost there. We're almost there. Thank you so, so much for everybody who's done that. And thanks for listening, too. Really, I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. All right, it's time to get you a brief little Miko update. Miko update. I now use the Miko update to have some Miko mug coffee. Yes, if you would like that, the link is the top link in our show notes for Miko merchandise. You'll find all kinds of cool stuff there. Miko's doing great. Uh, She's uh, had a little weird thing today where she was like kind of, I don't know, you know, when you own a dog and you love them as much as I do, you just get a sense. You have a sixth sense about the dog. You can tell when they're when they're up, when they're down, what they're feeling. I know it sounds weird, but it's true. And if you are a pet owner, I think you know what I mean. Um, she seemed a little weird, especially tonight. We got home from dinner and uh, I bought her a new toy. Yes, that's like the 19th toy she has. And it's a squeaky toy. But she has the most difficult time figuring out how to make her squeaky toys squeak. I show her by squeezing it, and then I give it to her. She tries to bite it, but she doesn't bite it hard enough. So anyway, <laughs> she's, uh, she's feeling a little down. As I came up to go on the air tonight, uh, she just started eating her dinner, which she had ignored while we were out. So hopefully she'll finish that up and get her toothbrush for the night. But otherwise, she's doing great. Thank you for uh, those of you who send me little PMs and messages and say, How's Miko? They never ask, how's Jay? They just ask, how's Miko? So there you go. Miko's great. Uh, All righty then. Would you like to make some money doing porn? Mm, Not what you think. (laughs) Oh, man. A company is recruiting people to watch X-rated videos for an hourly fee of 80 to ring it yeah 82 ringgit an hour for watching porn i'm not kidding this story from the malay mail so strange we have so many issues in this country and this is certainly going to be one of them you want to earn some side hustle and be entertained at the same time well a company called bedbible.com is looking for people willing to watch X-rated videos. And they will pay the person they select 15 British pounds an hour for the job. That's around 82 ringgit. Ringgit, if you don't know, if you're listening outside of Malaysia, is our currency here. It's uh, uh, called a ringgit. And um, 82 ringgit an hour ain't a bad rate for watching porn. The successful successful candidate will be paid uh, here's a job description you don't see often paid to watch the top most viewed porn videos for a total of 50 hours and take down a variety of statistics from the video yeah no you don't just get to watch it and entertain yourself you have to actually do some work <laughs> This is going to turn into another Japanese fart battle, isn't it? The chosen applicant will need to gather information on areas of focus, such as sex positions, 
duration, number of orgasms, male versus female ratio, hair color distribution, and language distribution. You will receive a total after your 50 hours of 755 pounds. That's 4,165 ringgit. That's a lot of scratch. Data collection will be used to conduct an in-depth report about tendencies and statistics in explicit videos. Bed Bible content creator Edwina Cato said pornography is a billion, that's billion with a B, billion pound industry around the world. We chose to explore the most common sex positions in the top 100 most viewed videos to give them some sort of representation of people's porn preferences. And she says, we are sure we'll learn some interesting stats along the way from our research, like what types of role play the actors have, any fetishes that may be covered. If you are over 21, you can apply. Anyone, doesn't matter where in the world you are, uh, it is a 100% remote position. If you're interested in a new position. There you go. I guess you there's a link in the show notes tonight in our description down below. And if you're that interested, I assume you can probably figure out how to apply. I am not going to give you any tips on how to apply. <laughs> well, you know, you need to earn extra money these days. People in the U.S., I know, if you, especially if you have a college loan, you know, the latest thing with all these liberal, libtard, left-wing lunatics like AOC and that moronic gang is they don't want to have to pay back their student debts. Now they're trying to, you know, they already delayed and no interest charges on student debts during the pandemic. Now they want to just erase them all. You know, great life lesson. Borrow money, don't pay it back. Anyway, that semi-relates to this story I saw from mothership.sg, Singapore website. But boy, I'll tell you what, those of you who don't want to pay back your student debts, you should listen up. Follow this link. It's in our show notes tonight. A Chinese worker is looking to repay a Singapore woman, 61 years old, who lent him 1,000 Sing dollars 11 years ago. This matter been weighing on the minds of uh, Fan and his wife, and they wanted to thank her personally. And there is a uh, picture of the guy and just a stock photo of some Singapore dollars. But um, a worker from China looking for an elderly woman who once lent him a thousand Sing dollars to tide over a period when he was facing financial difficulties. In a uh, interview with Eight World News, one Fan Zonghua shared that he had lost contact with his auntie after he returned home to China, I assume. But the memory of her kind act remained etched in his mind. He's now 37 years old, and he wants to pay the auntie back for her kindness and hopes the public can help to reunite him 
with his benefactor in Singapore. According to 8World, Fun had come over to Singapore with his wife in 2006, worked, studied part-time, worked at a shipyard in Tuas, and in the evenings he attended night school for, uh, for classes. At the dorm that housed employees of Eng Soon, Fun met Ji Li, or Li Ji, who worked as a clerk in the company. Uh, Fan said that Lee was born in 61, which means she would be 61 this year. Uh, he described Lee as a white-haired auntie who lived alone in Woodlands. Fan added that Lee was later transferred to the shipyard in Sembawang to work. According to him, uh, Lee treated him very well, would often buy him snacks, also bring him out for meals, gave him a couple red packets during festive seasons, Ang Pao's. Uh, when Fan needed to prepare some materials for his thesis, Lee also helped him to search for the information and printed it out for him. She's my life benefactor, he said. I call her Godma. Well, he ran into some financial difficulties back in 2011. The company he was working for not doing well. And uh, Fan and his wife had to pay their agency fees and school fees. And uh, Lee lent him a thousand Sing dollars to tide over the difficult time and didn't rush them for repayment. Uh, said, I will repay you. And then she replied, just take it as my wedding, Ang Pao, to both of you. Yeah, they kept in touch after Lee returned to China in 2012, after Fan rather returned, and his wife. And uh, they then lost contact when he lost his phone in 2015. Anyway... He wants desperately, now that he is mostly successful, to pay her back. Just, I'm sure the $1,000 isn't going to make a big difference to Ms. Lee, but just for the fact that the loan has been weighing on his mind, and this guy has morals and has a conscience and wants to do the right thing. And that is amazing. The rest of the story gives a bunch of details, and if you'd like, if you have any information about, you think you know this Mrs. Lee, uh, there's a way of contacting or sending him a message. So do check it out. Stories in our show notes tonight if you are in uh, Singapore or have some connections in Singapore. You never know. We might be successful in getting these folks back together. All right. We, uh, <laughs> on a new subject, we Malaysians are litterbugs. I've talked about this so many times before. In fact, just in our last show, we talked about this great guy who was saw somebody littering, shoving a bunch of crap out of the window of their car. He picked it up and shoved it right back in. We love you. But this, I'm telling you, I once read, and I, I have not yet since been able to find it. I don't know where I read it, but I know that I read it. I read somewhere that the Klang River in Malaysia which is one of our main big rivers runs through the country is something like only 30% water. I have a hard time believing that's true. But on the other hand, with all the crap that people and factories and companies and everybody and their brother dumps into this river, it wouldn't surprise me. Two years ago, a Dutch inventor and entrepreneur, Boyan Slot, brought a advanced boat-like solar-powered interceptor to the Klang River. In fact, there was a rock band 
I want to say Blink-182, but I don't think that was it. There was a rock band who actually sponsored and paid for one of these to go on our Klang River here in Malaysia. The, basically, the thing is solar-powered and autonomous, and it just goes up and down the river. It's got a big, like a big vacuum in the front, and it sweeps up all the crap that's floating on the river. Well, it is, yeah, it's a solar-powered interceptor for a much-needed cleanup. Two years later, guess what? Here's some video. Unbelievable. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, check out the link in our show notes. You can see the video. Take a look at this mess. Look at that. Every square meter is covered in crap. All this garbage floating on the Klang River. It's just unbelievable. Now, somebody made a comment in the comments on the side that they thought perhaps this could be because of some of the flooding they had. But if you think about it, what the floods did was pick up all the crap that you folks have just thrown someplace other than the river and dumped it through the drains in the river. So that's hardly an excuse. This is just incredible. Look at this. Do you stop to give a second thought of how important water... I mean, you can go several days without food and still live. Do you know how long you can go without water and not die? Not very long. A couple, maybe three days, maybe. Look at that. The way we treat our water here, it is scary. Scary stuff. Please take better care of things. Please take care of nature. And please stop throwing crap out of your car windows, you morons. That I even have to say this. It's 2022, for God's sakes. All right. Not like you don't have enough money. Apparently, people just have too much money. They don't know what to do with it. Our next story tonight has to do with folks who are getting ready to what we here call Bali Kampong which in English basically means to go back to your hometown. Balik, go back. Kampong is like a small village. So you go back to your small village, Balik Kampong. I know Malaysians, just be patient. There's a lot of people who listen to this show who aren't from here or Singapore or Indonesia. (laughs) Well, if you're going to go back, why not go back in style? If you can afford it. I can't afford it. Now, for me to Bali Kampong, it'd be about a 12,000-mile journey. And I couldn't drive there. (laughs) But instead of packing up the family in the Maivi, there are people paying almost 8,000 ringgit a day to go back in a Lamborghini. Are you out of your mind? What? Serious, huh? This from World of Buzz, links in our show notes. You've got to check this out. It is beyond me where we just, what, we just raised the minimum wage to 1500 a month, I think, in this country. So it would take you six months or more to save up enough for one day. 
Malaysians are spending as much as 8,000 ringgit a day to rent a Lamborghini to Balik Kampong. Even a Nissan Skyline costs 4,000 a day. Regardless of the festives, now what happens, by the way, if you're not in Malaysia, you don't know what this Balik Kampong is. During holidays, Chinese New Year, Taipusam, uh, Hari Raya, people normally go back to their hometowns. Because KL is a big city, most of the people were not born in KL. They moved here for work. Their hometown is in small villages, other places throughout the country. So a lot of people pack your bags and Bali Kempong, especially the festive season and Hari Raya is coming up. We're about seven days, I believe, into uh, Ramadan. Anyway, everybody gets a long weekend. To save costs, some people go via public transportation, trains, buses. But did you ever think about going back in a Lamborghini? In an interview, the manager of AHMJ Luxury Car Rental in KL revealed that people have started to ask about the rental price of luxury cars. The borders are now completely open. Most people already excited about the upcoming holiday. The manager also revealed there are people willing to spend up to 7999 per day to rent a Lamborghini. Unbelievable. Here's a list of all the cars. I got a McLaren, Alford, Velfire, Skyline, Lamborghini, Ferrari. Based on our rental records these few days, Alfard and Velfire at the top of the list. But there are still people willing to fork out the eight grand to rent a Lamborghini. Unbelievable. Oh, man. They also, by the way, besides luxury cars, do have regular cars, MyVs, Toyota Vios, things like that. And the prices are about 120 ringgit a day. So that's not too bad. Unless you really have to have a Lamborghini, in which case, there you go. Knock yourself out. I won't be driving one in this lifetime. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. All right. You want something that goes a little faster in a desperate attempt to do some sort of awkward segue. How about a UFO? What do they call it instead of UFOs these days? Aerial, UA, UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. It's UFO. The Pentagon has just released 1,500 pages of newly declassified secret documents about the UFO program. And you must read this story. It's in our show notes tonight. That's our description down below. The Pentagon, after a four-year public struggle, released uh, over 1,500 pages of real X-Files related to several secret UFO programs. Uh, four years ago, Freedom of Information requests filed. Finally, more than four years later, the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, has released the documents, some of them anyway, including, and this is weird, this is weird. Make a note of this. There's got to be more to this story, and it needs to be followed up on. I love these UFO stories. Scientific reports commissioned by the government and letters to the Pentagon regarding the UFO programs, including research reports on biological effects 
of UFOs on humans, classifications of the paranormal, and research on UFO technology. The DIA's spy arm said certain parts of the documents should be partly hidden for reasons of confidentiality and secrecy. But among the uh, reports in the files is the CIA study of the biological effects of UFO sightings on humans. And it includes things like, now listen up, burns, heart problems, sleep disturbances, and even strange occurrences such as apparent abduction and unrecorded pregnancy. This is not some weird, wacky, you know, high desert conspiracy thing. This is the CIA. Well, report prepared for the DIA warns that such facilities may pose a threat to the United States' interests. Report says people were injured from exposure to anomalous vehicles, especially in the air and in close proximity. The report also says 42 cases of medical records and 300 similar unpublished cases where people were injured after collisions with anomalous machines. This is some weird stuff, folks. I'm telling you, they're the big reveal. It's happening right in front of our eyes right now. Incredible. Read this story. There's a lot of details in there. I'm not going to go into all of them. You can check it out yourself. The link is in our show notes tonight. But some wild, wild stuff being released from the U.S. government. And speaking of wild space stuff, we've got a last couple of stories here, which I saw that, that were weird, to say the least. A 12,000-mile-deep canyon of fire has opened on the sun. And that's not good news for us. It has released an intense solar wind towards the earth. Mm. The sun's hot gases trapped in an eternal dance of seething plasma that periodically escapes our star's atmosphere and is slung out into the solar system with some of it causing havoc on the Earth's magnetic field. Uh, the weekend, over the weekend, a filament of that plasma escaped the sun and created what space weather refers to as a canyon of fire, a deep ridge more than 12,000 miles deep and 10 times the length of the Earth's Grand Canyon, more than 13,000 times deeper than the Grand Canyon. The canyon itself may soon spew radiation fragments in the forms of coronal mass ejections. Sounds like this might be related to our first story tonight. Towards the Earth, a reminder of the ferocity of the cosmic object that gave birth to our solar system's planets billions of years ago. There it is right there. There's a picture of the uh, canyon of fire from the sun. Anyway, it could affect weather systems. It could affect the magnetic systems, which means all kinds of things, GPS, navigational systems, all kinds of stuff could potentially uh, be affected, including radio messages themselves. Wow. Anyway, check out the link and the article. It's in our show notes. And uh, 
some strange stuff going on there in the atmosphere. Very weird. And finally, back here at home, but related to this earthy stuff. Do you know the earth has a heartbeat? Maybe you did. Likely you didn't. But the earth has a heartbeat. The heartbeat of the earth is 7.83 hertz. And it might be influencing human behavior. Some scientists believe the lightning-produced frequencies may be connected to our brain waves, meditation, and hypnosis. This is from BigThink.com. The article is in our show notes. And uh, the Schumann resonance, a set of frequencies produced by electromagnetic waves in the Earth's lower ionosphere. The frequencies, which are created from thunderstorms and lightning, they range from 7.83 hertz, called the Earth's heartbeat to 33.8 hertz and they've been studying the effect on the planet as well as on humans for a long time and uh, flashes of lightning that strike the earth about 50 times every second somewhere on the earth 50 times every second a lightning strike is recorded and that creates this low frequency electromagnetic wave that circles the planet They've been dubbed the Schumann Resonances, and they believe, some scientists believe they have an effect on human behavior. It's a very cool article, and I encourage you to check it out. It's in our show notes. Read it. It's from BigThink.com, and uh, very cool stuff if you're into that sort of thing. Very weird. All right. That's pretty much all the stuff I wanted to share with you tonight. It is time for a new book. We finished up Tom Sawyer on our last stream. That was a long book. Uh, This one, not so long. Uh, But in this case, I don't mind. It could go on forever because it is my favorite book of all time. It is Winnie the Pooh. And it was written by uh, A.A. Milne back in... 1926 was when it was first uh, published. And uh, the first collection of stories about the character was the book Winnie the Pooh. That's the one we're going to read. It was followed by The House at Pooh Corner in 1928. Milne also included a poem about the bear in the children's verse book When We Were Very Young in 1924. And many more as in Now We Are Six in 1927. And all of the volumes were illustrated beautifully by E.H. Shepard. You'll be seeing some Mr. Shepard's work here uh, coming up in just a bit. In fact, there you go. The Pooh stories have been translated into many languages, including Alexander Leonard's Latin translation, Winnie Ile Pooh, P.U. It was the first published in 1958, and in 1960, it became the only Latin book ever to have been featured on the New York Times bestseller list. How cool is that? Yeah. So from 1926, this is A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh, an introduction. If you happen to read another book about Christopher Robin, you may remember 
that he once had a swan, or the swan had Christopher Robin, I don't know which, and that he used to call this swan Pooh. Well, that was a long time ago, and when we said goodbye, we took the name with us, as we didn't think the swan would want it anymore. Well, when Edward Bear said that he would like an exciting name all to himself, Christopher Robin said at once, without stopping to think, that he was Winnie the Pooh. And he was. So, as I've explained, the Pooh part, I will now explain the rest of it. You can't be in London for long without going to the zoo. There are some who begin at the zoo, at the zoo called Weigh-In and walk as quickly as they can past every cage until they get to the one called Way Out. But the nicest people go straight to the animal they love the most and stay there. So when Christopher Robin goes to the zoo, he goes to where the polar bears are, and he whispers something to the third keeper from the left, and doors are unlocked and we wander through dark passages and up steep stairs, until at last we come to the special cage. The cage is opened, and out trots something brown and furry. And with a cry of, Oh, bear! Christopher Robin rushes into its arms. Now this bear's name is Winnie, which shows what a good name for bears it is. But the funny thing is, we can't remember whether Winnie is called after Pooh or Pooh after Winnie. We did know once, but we've forgotten. I had written as far as this when Piglet looked up and said in his squeaky voice, What about me? My dear Piglet, I said, the whole book is about you. So it is about Pooh, he squeaked. See what it is? He's jealous because he thinks Pooh is having a grand introduction all to himself. Pooh is the favorite, of course. There's no denying it. But Piglet comes in for a good many things which Pooh misses. Because you can't take Pooh to school without everybody knowing it. But Piglet is so small, he slips into a pocket for it's very comforting to feel him when you're not quite sure whether twice seven is twelve or twenty-two. Sometimes he slips out and has a good look in the ink pot, and in this way he's got more education than Pooh. But Pooh doesn't mind. Some have brains and some haven't. And there it is. And now all the others are saying, What about us? So perhaps the next best thing to do is stop writing introductions and get on with the book. Chapter One Winnie the Pooh In which we are introduced to Winnie the Pooh and some bees and the story begins. Here is Edward Bear coming downstairs now, bump, 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 on the back of his head, behind Christopher Robin. It is, as far as he knows, the only way of coming downstairs, but sometimes he feels there really is another way. If only he could stop bumping for a moment and think of it. 
And then he feels that perhaps there isn't. Anyhow, here he is at the bottom and ready to be introduced to you, Winnie the Pooh. When I first heard his name, I said, just as you are going to say, but I thought he was a boy. So did I, said Christopher Robin. Then you can't call him Winnie. I don't. But you said he's Winnie the Pooh. Don't you know what the means? Ah, yes, I do now, I said quickly, and I hope you do too, because it's all the explanation you're going to get. Sometimes Winnie the Pooh likes a game of some sort when he comes downstairs, and sometimes he likes to sit quietly in front of the fire and listen to a story. This evening, what about a story, said Christopher Robin. What about a story, I said. Could you very sweetly tell Winnie the Pooh one? Oh, I suppose I could, I said. What sort of stories does he like? About himself, because he's that sort of bear. Oh, I see. So, uh, could you very sweetly? I'll try, I said. And so I tried. Once upon a time, a very long time ago now, about last Friday. Winnie the Pooh lived in a forest all by himself under the name of Sanders. What does under the name mean? asked Christopher Robin. It means he had the name over the door in gold letters and lived under it. Winnie the Pooh wasn't quite sure, said Christopher Robin. Now I am said a growly voice. Then I will go on, said I. One day, when he was out walking, he came to an open place in the middle of the forest, and in the middle of this place was a large oak tree, and from the top of the tree there came a buzzing noise. <coughs> Winnie the Pooh sat down at the foot of the tree, put his head between his paws, and began to think. First of all, he said to himself, That buzzing noise means something. You don't, you don't get a buzzing noise like that, just buzzing and buzzing without its meaning something. If there's a buzzing noise, somebody's making a buzzing noise. And the only reason for making a buzzing noise that I know of is because you're a bee. And then he thought another long time and said, and the only reason for being a bee, I know, is making honey. And then he got up and said, And the only reason for making honey is so I can eat it. And so he began to climb the tree. He climbed, he climbed, and he climbed, and he climbed, and as he climbed... He sang a little song to himself, and it went like this. Isn't it funny how a bear likes honey? Buzz, buzz, buzz. I wonder why he does. And then he climbed a little further, and a little further, and then just a little further. By that time, he thought of another song. It's a very funny thought 
that if bears were bees, they'd build their nests at the bottom of trees. And that being so, if the bees were bears, he shouldn't have to climb up all these stairs. He was getting rather tired by this time, and so that's why he sang a complaining song. He was nearly there now, and if he just stood on that branch, crack. Oh, help, said Pooh, as he dropped ten feet on the branch below him. If only I hadn't, he said as he bounced twenty feet to the next branch. You see, what I meant to do, he explained as he turned head over heels and crashed onto another branch thirty feet below. What I meant to do, of course it was rather, he admitted, as he slithered very quickly through the next six branches. It all comes, I suppose, he decided as he said goodbye to the last branch, spun round three times and flew gracefully into a gorse bush. It all comes of liking honey so much. Oh, help. He crawled out of the gorse bush, brushed the prickles from his nose, and began to think again. And the first person he thought of was Christopher Robin. Was that me? said Christopher Robin in an awed voice, hardly daring to believe it. That was you. Christopher Robin said nothing, but his eyes got larger and larger, and his face got pinker and pinker. So Winnie the Pooh went round to his friend Christopher Robin, who lived behind a green door in another part of the forest. Good morning, Christopher Robin, he said. Good morning, Winnie the Pooh, said you. I wonder if you've got such a thing as a balloon about you? A balloon? Uh, yes. I was just said to myself coming along, I wonder if Christopher Robin has such a thing as a balloon about him. I just said it to myself, thinking of balloons and wondering. What do you want a balloon for, you said? Winnie the Pooh looked around to see that nobody was listening. He put his paw to his mouth and said in a deep whisper, Honey, but you don't get honey with balloons. I do, said Pooh. Well, it just happened that had you been a party to that day before at the house of your friend Piglet, and you had balloons at the party, you had a big green balloon, and one of Rabbit's relations had had a big blue one and left it behind being really too young to go to a party at all, and so you had brought the green one and the blue one home with you. Which one would you like? you asked Pooh. He put his head between his paws and thought very carefully. It's like this, he said. When you go after honey with a balloon, the great thing is not to let the bees know you're coming. Now, if you have a green balloon, they might think you're only part of the tree, not notice you. And if you have a blue balloon, they might think you're only part of the sky, not notice you. The question is, uh, which is more likely? Wouldn't they notice 
you underneath the balloon? You asked. Oh, they might, or they might not, said Winnie the Pooh. You can never tell with bees. He thought for a minute and said, I shall try to look like a small black cloud. That will deceive them. Then you'd better have the blue balloon, you said. And so it was decided. Well, you both went out with the blue balloon and you took your gun with you, just in case, as you always did. And Winnie the Pooh went to a very muddy place he knew of and rolled and rolled until he was all black all over. And then, when the balloon was blown up as big as big and you and Pooh were both holding onto the string, you let go suddenly and Pooh Bear floated gracefully up into the sky and stayed there, level with the top of the tree and about 20 feet away from it. Hooray, you shouted. Isn't it fine? Shouted Winnie the Pooh down to you. What do I look like? You look like a bear holding onto a balloon, you said. No, said Pooh anxiously. Not like a small black cloud in the blue sky. Not very much. Ah, oh, well, perhaps... From up here it looks different. And as I say, you never can tell with bees. There was no wind to blow him any nearer to the tree, so there he stayed. He could see the honey. He could smell the honey. But he couldn't quite reach the honey. After a little while, he called down to you. Christopher Robin, he said in a loud whisper. Hello? I think the bees suspect something. What sort of thing? I, I don't know. But something tells me they're suspicious. Perhaps they think you're after your honey. Oh, it, it may be that. You never can tell with bees. There was another little silence and then he called down to you again. Christopher Robin? Yes. Have you an umbrella in your house? I think so. Oh, I wish you would bring it out here and walk up and down with it and look up at me every now and then and say, Tut, tut, it looks like rain. I think if you did that, it would help the deception which we are practicing on these bees. Well, you laughed to yourself, silly old bear, but you didn't say it aloud because you were so fond of him. So you went home and you found your umbrella. Oh, there you are, called down Winnie the Pooh as soon as you got back to the tree. I was beginning to get anxious. I've discovered that bees are now definitely suspicious. Shall I put my umbrella up, you asked? Uh, yes, but wait a moment. We must be practical. The important bee to deceive is the queen bee. Can you see which is the queen bee from down there? No. Ah, a pity. Well, now, if you walk up and down with your umbrella saying, Tut, tut, it looks like rain. 
I shall do what I can by singing a little cloud song, such as a cloud might sing. Uh, go. So while you walked up and down, wondered if it would rain, Winnie the Pooh sang this song. Oh, how sweet to be a cloud floating in the blue. Every little cloud always sings aloud. How sweet to be a cloud floating in the blue. It makes him very proud to be a little cloud. The bees were still buzzing as suspiciously as ever. Some of them indeed left their nests and flew all around the cloud as it began the second verse of this song. And one bee sat down on the nose of the cloud for a moment and then got up again. Christopher, ow, Robin, called the cloud. Yes? Um, I've been thinking. I've come to a very important decision. These are the wrong sorts of bees. Are they? Quite the wrong sort. So I should think they would make the wrong sort of honey, don't you? Would they? Oh, yes. So I think I shall come down. How? asked you. Winnie the Pooh hadn't thought about this. If he let go of the string, he'd fall, bump, and he didn't like the idea of that. So he thought for a long time. And then he said, Christopher Robin, you must shoot the balloon with your gun. Have you got your gun? Of course I have, you said, but if I do that, it'll spoil the balloon, you said. But if you don't, said Pooh, I shall have to let go, and that will spoil me. When he put it like this, you saw how it was, and you aimed very carefully at the balloon and fired. Ow, said Pooh. Did I miss, you asked. Um, you didn't exactly miss, said Pooh. Uh, but you missed the balloon. Oh, I'm so sorry, you said, and you fired again, and this time you hit the balloon and the air came out quite slowly, and Winnie the Pooh floated down to the ground. But his arms were so stiff from holding onto the string of the balloon all that time that they stayed up straight in the air for more than a week. Whenever a fly came and settled on his nose, he had to blow it off. And I think, but I'm not sure, that that is why... He was always called Pooh. Is that the end of the story? said Christopher Robin. Oh, that's the end of that one. There are others. About Pooh and me, and Piglet, and Rabbit, and all of you. Don't you remember? I do remember. And then, when I try to remember, I forget. That day when Pooh and Piglet tried to catch the heffalump, they didn't catch it, did they? No. Pooh couldn't because he hasn't any brain. Did I catch it? Well, that comes into the story. 
Christopher Robin nodded. I do remember, he said, only Pooh doesn't very well, so that's why he likes having it told to him again. Because then it's a real story, and not just a remembering. That's just how I feel, I said. Christopher Robin gave a deep sigh, picked his bear up by his leg, and walked off to the door, trailing Pooh behind. At the door, he turned and said, Coming to see me have my bath? I might, I said. I didn't hurt him when I shot him, did I? Not a bit. He nodded, went out, and in a moment I heard Winnie the Pooh, bump, 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 going up the stairs behind him. <laughs> and that's chapter one of Winnie the Pooh. On our next stream Monday night, we'll move on to chapter two, in which Pooh goes visiting and gets into a tight place. Ah, I love it. <laughs> All right, friends, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you again on Monday night. Thank you for your subscribes and follows. Please don't forget our podcast, the audio part of our show. You'll find it on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for I'm Not Wearing Pants or Jay Sheldon. Look for that logo and uh, just click follow or subscribe. We really appreciate all those of you, hundreds of you, literally, who've done that. Thank you so much. All right, see you again on Monday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm Not Wearing Pants. Good night. Snort. <laughs>